You're listening to BGO Blind Pig, BGO's official roundtable discussion of all things D.C. football. Come pull up a chair, pour a libation of your choosing, and join in some passionate D.C. football debate. BGO, a burgundy and gold obsession, is the most passionate, intelligent community of Washington football fans on the web since 2009. Join us at www.bgobsession.com. Pleasure to see you guys again for another episode of the Blind Pig, courtesy of bgobsession.com. Happy to see your these smiling faces after an eventful weekend. Top left is Boone. He hails as, that's also known as Jom. Bottom left is Mark. He hails his own. Bottom right is Paul. Hails his Canadian hog. You can find me at Silent Threat. My real name is Derek. Feel free to come by, mix it up, get on the board. We were recruiting people this past weekend, actually, to get at the game. It was probably, I guess we could say that's literally the first time that's ever actually happened, but it was a good time. So, um, I guess before we jump into the football things and before we get into the the X's and O's, Mark, you said there was a couple things that comments you did want to make to the fan experience because it literally was four of our five regular podcasters at a game, uh, one of which Bob had never been there, uh, but he won't be on tonight. But um, I'm curious to f- hear your reaction, Mark. Go ahead. Um. And the reason I thought it would be worth mentioning at all is there's been a lot of talk since Josh Allen bought the team about the $40 million spent upgrading on the stadium experience and all that. So I I went in expecting, not expecting anything, but just wondering if I would notice anything new and and different. Um, But I'll back up to before the game. Um, I've been to a half a dozen games, at least at FedEx field over the years, maybe more than that. I've never really counted up. Um. The, it, there's always anticipation before games and there's always, I mean, there's the feeling of possibility no matter how good or bad your team is, but I don't think it's a stretch and I hope it wasn't just me projecting this, but there was such a light hearted feeling in that, in the parking lot before the game, I, we were there for two or three hours before the game and it was just upbeat and light, and I didn't see a whole lot of the drunken running around screaming before the game that I that I tend to. It had a, a real good vibe to it. And going into the stadium and getting ready to start the game, um, the stadium felt, I don't know, did you guys notice anything different? I mean, it, it, the fields, the cameras, or not the cameras, the big screens were fine. The field looked like it was in great shape. Other than that, it felt like the same place to me. I didn't really notice any of the changes. So I guess the good news is nothing fell down that I'm aware of. Nothing broke. No pipes uh, and sewage leaked out into the stadium. Um, So overall, I'll give the stadium experience wasn't that bad. Getting into the stadium for me wasn't that hard. And getting out of the stadium wasn't that hard. And that's not always been the case. And it was a full house. I thought that biggest difference is the in, ingress and egress was a lot less painful and apparently josh harris had directly like reached out to the state folks and made some you know they made some changes and how they handled traffic so that was that was definitely better um i actually filled out a survey it was a pretty long survey that commander sent out to anybody that bought tickets uh really in-depth survey and i you know the main things i mentioned is i I think they just need more staff because I don't know if you guys saw it, but um, they had blocked off one side of the stadium exit uh, route. Um, 
Yeah, when you know, we were leaving. People were getting turned around after having walked all the way around, almost to the where you could get to your lot, and then they were turned around, and they weren't turned around very nicely. Um, I know we had a guy come up to us on the golf cart that was, like, screaming, like, I don't know, I think we had cornhole boards in the wrong place or something. I don't – uh, and then the people that were giving out the post-game swag, that was like a jailbreak, man. That mm-hmm. was, I, thought, I thought a prison riot was going to break out. It was, and, the, and the employees, maybe rightfully so, were screaming and like, you know, it, it was just unnecessary, unnecessary kind of uh, aggressiveness some, some from the staff. So I think they just need more. They need more staff. They need more <clears throat> uh, signage and people directing people. And they need more porta potties. But other than that, um, I didn't really notice anything other than, like I said, getting in and out was much less painful than what I've experienced in the past. So kudos to the to the staff for the executives for making that happen. Yeah, I think the vibe all around was was really cool. Um, I will say that in our tailgate, we we probably co-mingled with at least what, six or seven other groups around us on some level uh we had multiple groups come up to us and tap us and say hey we're on bgo or whatever um so i mean that was really awesome like that was a vibe i hadn't felt at that field in a long time it's been in the years past you go tailgate and you're kind of your own thing you know like if if you're there for three hours nobody you don't cross over you don't have other people um there, there there's not really that connection with the tailgating crews around you where this past weekend and maybe it was just because you know Snyder sold the team or whatever and everybody was just happier or something but I mean it was it was a different feel it was it was old school it was it was everybody's there we're all united I don't care who you are we're here to root on the same team and we kind of all enjoyed each other about that and it was not too much um other than the one Raven fan apparently getting knocked unconscious in the stadium, but <clears throat> that's a whole different situation. But hey, um, Paul, did you um, watching it on TV live? Did it? Did was there any sense that the stadium sounded different? I we did. I didn't hear the live commentary from the uh, from the announcers. It, but what did it look like from where you were? It looked to me. It looked awesome. The stadium was full. Um, you know, it, it seemed like there was a ton of energy in uh, FedEx Field for the first time, probably going back to, I don't know, Robert Griffin's rookie year in 2012. Um, there was obvious energy and excitement that you can feel uh, coming through your television. And I know I wasn't at the game uh, personally, um, but quite honestly, this past Sunday, to me as a fan, it just felt right. Um, it felt like I was watching for all the right reasons for the first time in a very, very long time. Um, you know, we're, we're celebrating the Burgundy and gold, um, Sunday's a tradition. You should be watching on Sunday because you want to, not because you feel obligated to, because you know, no different. Um, and in many ways it brought me back to my childhood. Um, you know, when I was a fan growing up in Canada, as a eight, nine-year-old cheering on this team, um, you know, it, it brought me back to that. Um, I, I can, I felt that in my heart. Um, 
And it just brought a smile to my face ear to ear. And I don't really think that the result this past Sunday was very important because for the first time in forever, I knew that I was watching for all the right reasons. And that gives me some hope and inspiration as we continue to uh, move forward throughout the season. Yeah, well, well said. And I know, I know we're about to talk about the game. So as a, as a semi transition into that, I also thought that because the team, given the, the setting and how ready the crowd was, uh, I'm, I'm going to be 63 here in about a month and I have not yelled myself horse at a game in a long time. I did the other day because it just, once the game was on and it, it looked like it might be starting to slip away, I found myself thinking, I hope the team doesn't waste the opportunity to put their foot down, plant their flag with this new group and this team. That stadium was ready to levitate, to simply levitate off the ground. And the team, they got the win, but I thought they may have missed an opportunity to just get that that roar that you used to get at, at FedEx. We haven't felt that for a long time. We were close. We were right there and a couple of plays away. I actually haven't I thought about that, Mark. I think I think they were tight. I think because I heard several players, including Sam Howe, that were asked about the game before the game and, you know, the importance of the game. And they all they universally said kind of the same thing, which is we know this is a must win game. We have like we cannot go out there with all this good momentum and all the positive change and all the fans coming out many of us after you know a number of years of not being willing to make a long drive to go up there they they knew they had to win it and i think i think they were a little bit tight i really do um well did you hear ron rivera's post game presser you just thought we lost the game the way he was talking he's like yeah we gotta have a better effort out there for the fans and we got it and it was like jesus okay if you say so bud and usually he's so good live you know you wonder what what happened (laughs) <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I guess do you guys want to dig into it? Um, quick observations yeah. for you guys on the game. So I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you guys talk about the football first, but I did want to say one thing or uh, ask you guys a question. I I don't know what it is about being there live, but unless you watch the jumbotron on every play, it's really hard to get a sense of like what's happening. I don't know why that is. Now we had really good seats, so we were down almost at field level. It is harder to see if you're not looking at the Jumbotron. And I can't make myself look at a Jumbotron when I've come all the way to see a game, you know. Uh, But my assessment, the long-winded point I'm trying to make is my assessment of the game, the football game, coming out of the stadium was a lot worse than when I sat down at home and watched it with an aerial view and seeing it, you know, being able to see a little bit better and seeing how the the play was developing – I really had a lot more positive take tonight after watching it um, than I did coming out of the stadium. So that's just a, that was a little surprising to me. Well, one thing I I noticed, like the touchdown to B-Rob, like we all cheered, but we had no idea how difficult that play was from where we were sitting. (laughs) And it happened not far from us, but because of the level we were at, it's almost impossible to get that depth perception of, you know, I mean, that thing was between six defenders, but we couldn't tell that how we were. Um, but the other thing, I think, being as low as we were, it does put into perspective how big these humans actually are mm-hmm. and how fast they're actually moving across the field. 
because we're watching things and we're like all oh, three or four yards, but then you watch it on TV and it looks like there was a massive gap. You know what I mean? Like it just changes the perspective of things. But to that point, okay. So to the offense, uh, to the game, do you guys want to jump offense first or I think we should talk offense first in my opinion. Uh, and, and particularly how Paul, you weren't there. So we haven't been able, we all, we all reacted post game. What was your, what was your, Five minutes after the game reaction to, to, to everything that transpired. So my, my reaction immediately following the game was basically um, that this team obviously has a long way to go still. Uh, uh, the change in ownership is not necessarily going to lead to uh, instantaneous success on the field I think in in many regards um there's still some work to be done and I think Sunday in a very very close um and contested game against the Cardinals who are a pretty weak team um you know I I I think it it just basically gave me that reminder that this is not going to be uh an instant fix just because Dan Snyder's out the door uh there's a lot of work to be done but at the same time, there's a lot of positive momentum to build on. I will say that I know I'm switching gears a little bit here, but granted it's week one, but I will say that the Eric B enemy hype um, for me, it, it, you know, we didn't live up to it, uh, especially in week one, there's going to be a lot of work that needs to be done on that regard. And I think we're going to have to be patient with him. He's obviously got a new group here. Um, and the biggest thing for me in regards to the offense was I think that we relied a little bit too much on Sam Howell. And I think the quicker that the enemy realizes that he's not dealing with Patrick Mahomes anymore, um, the better that we're going to be moving forward. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We want to make sure that you don't miss out on any future BGO Blind Pig podcasts. On our YouTube channel, simply hit the subscribe button. If you're listening to BGO Blind Pig via Apple Podcasts or another podcast provider, go to our description page and click that follow button. I think a couple of things related to being me. First of all, we forget the guy's never called an NFL game in his life, right? I mean, he's been in the NFL for a long time. But he has literally never been the guy making a play call in an NFL game. And that that I thought he did a good job. I didn't see a lot of like miscues or you know, delay penalties because we couldn't get plays in as far as the mechanics of it. But I think getting that vibe of like what's working, what's not working, how do I have to morph? I know I, I mean I know we we like passed three to we had like a three to one pass to run ratio in the first half, and then it was much more running in the second half. So I think he did transition. But the other thing I wanted to say about what your your point about how uh, not being Mahomes, Paul, is I kind of had the feeling that maybe he wanted to, he didn't want to coddle Hal right out of the gate. Like he was, it wasn't like, I think if we had seen Scott Turner, we would have seen like the flip of that. We would have seen a ton of rushes, you know, uh, not putting a lot on Hal. I think that, I mean, I don't know. I kind of got the feeling maybe that was purposeful. Like I'm not going to coddle him. I'm, I, he's the starter. I expect him to, you know, to execute the offense the way I want it executed. And I'm not going to coddle him or, 
or try to, you know, make it uh, easy on him uh, because he's, because he's a young quarterback, but I could be reading into that. That's just, that's just a, an, an idea that I had. Well, a, a couple, a couple of things on, on offense. Um, <clears throat> we knew going in and we can't lose sight of the fact that this was the first game for this quarterback and coordinator and offensive line all together. They were going against the defense that they had no idea what to expect against. Um, I do think that there was some element of of EB holding back on on Howell and not asking him to do too much. For instance, I don't think we saw a lot of the quick RPO stuff that we're going to see as we get further into this. I think you are going to see a little bit more of that starting this week, and it'll start to unveil slowly. I didn't see the pace that I expected to see. We saw no um, no huddle, for instance, that kind of thing. So I think he was holding back a little bit on that front. On the other foot, I think we saw indicators that this this offensive coordinator is not shy about about making his quarterback and asking his quarterback to play the fucking game because there were two or three times when Sam had faced some adversity, like he's he's just gave up a strip sack fumble for a touchdown, and they come out on the next series down inside their own 20, and he's got him throwing it down the field. He is not coddling him there, and he did it at the end of the first half where I know every single one of us expected us to simply grind it out at the end with a minute to go. And instead, yes, Sam taking it down the field, throwing not just little dinks and dunks, but, but chunk plays. Yeah. The longest pass of the game was uh, that like a 32 yarder to Samuels after that big mistake. Which was a, as good a pass as you're going to see in any league. Well, and the scary thing pass. is the, the scary thing is the throw before that should have been intercepted. If you go back and watch the game, there was one bad one there. The, sure. Like the 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 DB jumps the route perfectly, should have picked it off, dropped it. The next throw, how just throws an absolute laser beam to the outside shoulder that that Samuel catches, and it, and it's a massive gain down the sideline. So I don't think it can be overstated enough how important it was for them to get those three points. You know, they in in years past, how many times would they have just come out and you know, would we have just come out and, and, and essentially kneeled on it and gone into half and, and, and licked our wounds, you know? So to have the ability to go out there, drive the field, get those three points and, and, and set ourselves up to not erase, but at least lessen the blow of the pain of that, that, that error was big. And to make sure Howell understands that he's still got the trust of the team. Yeah, and I, I think that that's the, that's what I was sort of recalling too, Derek. That they those were not those were not sequences we would have seen under Scott Turner and Ron Rivera <clears throat> right. with Taylor Heineke or Carson or anybody else. They would have they would have let the air out of the ball in those situations. And EB did not do that. But I think the larger point where I wanted to go with this is this this offense is going to be a work in progress all year long. For the first two or three games, defenses aren't going to know what much about Howell, but by week four or five, they'll have a quarter of a season worth of film on the guy, and they'll start to take the things the way that he does best or try to, and they'll do. And EB will have to adjust to that too. So to me, I walked away after it was over, and like John was saying, after watching the replay and having a chance to run a few plays over again, I feel a whole lot better about about Howell. Uh, I understand where he is in his career. 
I don't feel as bad about the offensive line as I did uh, after hearing the hot takes from everybody of oh, six sacks. Well, yeah, okay, so break down the sacks, and we start to understand what they were. It wasn't a great performance, and they had a, ser- a like four or five series in a row in the middle of a game that were ugly. But when it had to be done, they turned it on and, and did what they had to do to win in week one, which is always such a fucking crapshoot. And even though even though we kind of talked down, uh, I mean, all you heard before the game was that Arizona was an inferior inferior opponent. Um, they clearly had their number one goal was just to disrupt Sam Howell. You saw it in them coming after him. Hey, you see when they when they were able to get close to him with some of the cheap shots that were taken on him. That really, yep. at least one of those should have been an ejection, um, but. I think they that was they made that their number one priority, which is to get into the backfield. Um, and and he still he really I know he made some errant throws, a couple of bad passes, but um, and of course the fumble, but he he played pretty well. And that was one thing that, like I said, when I rewatched it, I'm like he was making some really nice passes, very accurate. Um, I heard somebody say that he wasn't accurate at all. That that I that's not what I saw. I saw the passes when he when he wasn't getting, you know, um, disrupted, he, he threw pretty accurately and he, he, I don't think he was that phased by the pressure, even though we did get takes some serious hits during the game. There was that one ball that was behind Terry that I know when everyone says he was inaccurate, that's what everyone's thinking about. I was listening to Bullock, uh, Mark Bullock earlier today, breaking down the OL and breaking down some of those passes. And on, on that particular play, in, in in his read, it was simply that that Sam was a half a beat late getting off of his first read and getting back to that one. And that's a timing issue with a young guy. And it, it wasn't in so much inaccurate as it was late. And there were a couple like that. The deflection for the interception, same thing. He was a beat late on getting it out, which allowed the guy to get in the way and tip the ball. So, And he also got, you know, there were times where he didn't get a lot of help. He, you know, Logan had a couple of drops couple of that that I know we're going to talk about the receivers but um I just I just want to I I guess I'm disappointed in Thomas just because I feel like there are some catches where yeah it was a hard catch but he had several squirt through his hands that literally hit his hands and he was not able to hold on to them because they were a little bit contested um I'd really like to see him catch more of those 50-50 balls or the ones where the defensive back has a hand or linebacker has a hand in there and he the just ones that he keep. used to catch. Yeah. Right? I, I'm not That's, saying Logan Thomas had a terrible game. He, he made some plays, but um, I did want to say, I did want to mention that though, because I talked about it last week about the question about, are they going to make Logan Thomas a central part of this offense or, you know, are they just keeping them out of the preseason because they're, they're, you know, bubble wrapping them. And I think it's pretty obvious that, until he shows that he can't be that guy, they're gonna he's gonna be a he's gonna be a big target uh for how. And if there were any if we were gonna wonder if if uh commander's offense under E B was gonna was gonna run through the tight end, I think we got early indicator that yeah, he'd still like to do that. He wants yeah. to work from the middle out. And I'm I'm a big fan of that. I like Curtis Samuels. I thought Curtis Samuels um had some really nice plays and that's a guy that we don't talk about much for good reason because we have so many other great wide receivers to heat praise on um but that guy can still play and 
I think he could be a big factor um, as well this year. Yeah, sneaky Logan Thomas led the team in targets. Uh, and his biggest play was unfortunately negated by just a terrible offensive pass interference call. On Bates? Yeah. That was total horseshit. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I ran it like five times just to see I if mean, anything the defender reached out and pushed him. Brutal. Yeah, that's, those are tough to accept. The other, there was another one where it was – I mean, I think it was clearly a first down. Uh, the challenge, Antonio Gibson? Yeah, the one the challenge that we lost. Yeah. I Although we had gotten a first down like a couple, maybe this series before that, that probably wasn't a first down. So I guess, I guess it evens a makeup out. Makeup call. There was um, some definitely some rusty officiating going on there. There was. So a couple notes. Uh, people have been a little critical of Sam Howell. So I got to watch and I watched the replay, the condensed version, and I know just this is even more goes back to the old adage of the, the the game is decided generally speaking two or three plays can change the outcome of a game so uh on the touchdown drive uh the pass interference to terry mclaurin if he's not interfered with he probably walks into the end zone you know what i mean so then McLaur- then then howell pro howell goes from having uh, 202 yards pass, and just on that play, about 245, because that was about a 40-yard pass, right? If I'm remembering correctly. Yep. Uh, he got tackled in the, around the four, around the six or seven yard line. The ball hit about the three. Whereas if he doesn't get tackled, he he, he probably walks in for a touchdown, or he's out at you know the one or two yard line. Uh, the Gibson fumble was just crippling. Well, I don't say crippling. We won the game, but the Gibson fumble was very painful. We were at the 15-yard line going in, and it completely changed the momentum. You score a touchdown there, you go up seven, you go up 14 to six, and it, it's a whole different ball game at that point. It changes the whole dynamic of all of that. Yeah, and- I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put, well that you can't do that right. You can't do that in that part of the field, especially right. Yeah, you can't give the ball. You can't put the ball on the ground, no matter who you are, consistently. And you're gonna you're gonna find you're gonna be riding the pine pretty quickly, and that's that's fair. I just I just you know I think we need to view it in the context of look. He he had a couple of fumbles last season. He got sat down, and what happened? He really didn't have an issue the rest of the season, uh, and he was a big part of that offense. And I right. also point out Brian Robinson fumbled. On Sunday, it, it it was ruled down, but he did yeah. lose the ball. That could have been a fumble. We've already seen Chris Rodriguez fumble, so I just feel like the 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 running back that doesn't fumble is an is a myth. It's, <laughs> he's it's, in line. He's, he's in line to get a lot. The more guy there. who's not in the game right now—that's the guy that everyone thinks. So uh, anyway, I, I I'm not saying that that I'm not concerned about that, but right, you just can't you just can't let it happen. Well, and and you can't do it at the 16-yard line when you are moving the ball effectively and about to go up big at home, yada, yada, yada. You have situational awareness, right? Right. And Sam gets criticism for that, too. I mean, it was a 10 – let's assume we don't even go in on the Antonio Gibson fumble from the 16 and get the touchdown. It's essentially like a three-point play to lose the ball there because you're going to get the field goal from that close in. Right. So that's three. And then when Sam gets the strip sack, 
I mean, the, the defender made a good play and all that, and it's, it's okay to take the sack there. It's not okay to wave the ball around in one hand mm-hmm. at your 10-yard line because that that's 10 points. That's a 10, point, 10 points on two plays, essentially, that we gifted the Cardinals, which I made it a game. To, yeah. You know, right. They, they, they scored no offensive touchdown. I know we're going to talk correct. about the defense in a minute. I want to correct. talk about the running backs before we get to that, but, you know, I mean – well, let's wait. We'll we'll talk about the defense because there's so many good things to talk about. What but about the running backs, guys? What do you think about the run run game? Uh, well, we have averaged three point three yards per carry, and it was hard to get it going. And from from in the stadium, it looked pretty painful. We were like running into the. There was just never any room to run. And when I watched it on replay, well, yeah, there really wasn't a whole. There lot wasn't, of room yeah, to I run. Watched, when I watched the game, and there was nowhere to go. So that's that's something they're going to have to address because I flat guarantee you, having scouted Denver a little bit, there are going to be a lot of bodies around the line of scrimmage, and we are not going to just start pounding the ball. We're going to have to get figure out how to get some quality yards on first and second down on the ground because it was pretty brutal on Sunday. Yeah, it really was. Paul, not, we were just um, now that I think about it, there's not much to talk about there, is there? <laughs> Paul, we were just running around talking about some of the missed opportunities on offense and 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 what we noticed. What was your thirty thousand foot view of the offense and what was left on the field? Does it does it leave you a little more optimistic about what could have been, or or are you looking at it like you know so, problematic? So first off, I apologize if I potentially repeat anything that anybody else already said. Um, My network disconnected and I was having a few issues there, but hopefully it remains stable moving forward. But anyways, um, I don't know. Offensively, um, when you think to our two scoring drives, um, the, the thing that I noticed most was that it was largely a result of a little bit of improvisation on the part of Sam Howell, um, you know, and a little bit of movement. There was a lot of creativity on his part to ensure that we scored on those two drives. Um, absent in the absence of, you know, his ability to move around a bit, I, I don't we even score. Uh, he made two phenomenal plays, uh, basically making something out of nothing. Uh, you guys probably already talked about it with the first touchdown to Robinson and then I mean, Sam Howell's uh, run for a TD himself, it was it was all him creating. And I mean, that that is encouraging in one sense because our offensive line to me looks really skeptical and shaky. Uh, but in another way um, and in another regard, uh, he certainly gives us a chance. Um, and I mean, you see that happening all over the league, like some of the best quarterbacks in the league, they're guys that are just, you know, able to make things happen on their own sometimes and you need an element of that you can't depend depend on it too heavily but I was glad to see that uh Howell was able to at least provide that for us um and to me that's an encouraging sign moving forward yeah I don't think you can overstate the week one thing you know and I think we may have mentioned that last week that who knows it's week one but you saw that right and we don't have to go into it in detail but um you saw it all over the league where other than you know you have some um anomalies like the Dallas, you know, yeah, but even them, that was all defense and special teams for the most part. Their offense did not look very good. You saw a lot of sketchy, shaky offenses out there. Um, on well, yeah. I mean, Joe Burrow had 84 yards passing and they got thumped by, by Cleveland that week. Lamar one is, Jackson had a, what, 125. 
week, week one at the NFL every year is such a crapshoot. So to me, and I, and I commented on this uh, to my, to my son at the game that I think, or at some point the season starts for uh, for me on this team. Now I want to see, get that first week, one thing on jitters and let's see how, how they bounce back and go to up to play a Denver team. That's going to be playing desperate because they lost their yeah. opener at home. Um, you were talking about running backs, John, before we get off that, I was struck that I went in expecting our running backs to be more a part of the passing game. And they really weren't Gibson and Robinson each had one catch. You referenced it though. And I, when I, when I was talking about how I didn't feel like I thought that, um, the enemy was not coddling Hal with all the passes, like, you know, throwing them right into the fire. But I think you were exactly right. Cause what you were really referencing was, play design and the complexity of the plays that were called. There wasn't a lot of motion. There wasn't a lot of trickeration. Um, and there, and that includes plays like passing plays to the running back, like lining up like you're running and then making it a passing play. So I'm hoping, I can't imagine that that's the, the you know, we didn't see anything close to like what this offense might look like mid season or later. I encourage everyone to be really, it's it's hard to be patient, but to, to not expect growing pains and and growth i mean the the best nfl teams come back with the same offense three or four years in a row the same quarterback the same skills the same system and they and they polish it up we are not a polished we're a rough stone (laughs) we're just starting to sand away at it stay with us we'll be right back hey if you enjoy the bgo blind pig podcast you may enjoy the video version Visit YouTube and search BGO Blind Pig to access over 100 previous episodes. However you enjoy BGO Blind Pig, we thank you for listening. Like it. Well, let's talk about that defense, man, because that defense was for real. Dominated that game. I mean, and the, the scary thing is, is I think John... I don't, I, you know what? I'm, I can't even remember who said it to me, but somebody said to me, was screaming about Del Rio and the soft zone stuff. And then you look up and they gave up essentially six points because the touchdown was on a fumble and the field goal. So I actually wrote the, the play down just to touch on it after, um, the interception. Well, crap, where did I write it down? After the interception, they got the ball on what I believe was the our 38 yard line. Our 37, yep. And they snapped it for the field goal from our 35. So the defense, after a turnover, walked out there and held the offense to two net yards, yep, forcing them to attempt, yeah, attempt a 54 yard field goal after a turnover. So you can't even hold that one again, those three points against the defense. So essentially the defense gave up two drives resulting in six points. So these were the three stats that jumped out at me. Um, we had 11 tackles for, for losses, 11 tackles behind the line of scrimmage. We, they only converted, they had 14 opportunities to convert third down. They only completed four of them and they were only in the red zone. And this one really, is kind of surprising to me. They were only in the red zone twice in the entire game. I mean, that's a dominant performance. And I know they're not, you know, I know um, I, I thought not, yeah. okay. Daz wasn't terrible, but he, 
he didn't his receivers weren't helping him. I mean, talk about not helping your quarterback out. They they weren't really helping him. Um, but I mean, I was just I was kind of surprised. I think that to me, they checked the box of not coming out sluggish and slow, at least in the first in the first game. Oh no, they were fighting. They were ready to play. And there was a moment, I don't know if I, I wanna it might have even been after when we came out after halftime, um Arizona had a long drive and kicked a field goal. Am I remembering correctly? Hold on. I was just looking at that. Um so but it was like after that the defense looked at each other and they said, We're not losing this game. We're not gonna be you know what I mean? Like we're not gonna be the reason that this game is lost. Yeah, well, they came out after half and, and got the went from their own twenty five all the way down to R nineteen. Yeah. And then and then got the field goal. And then after, after that, it was three it was short drive, short drive, short drive, short drive, force fumble, short drive, you know. We had three different guys drop clear interceptions. Curl, Butler, and Forbes each had opportunities at interceptions. Curl was down around the goal line on the first Arizona field goal drive. Uh, Butler was in the first drive of the second half. In that long drive, he had a shot, at a, a clear shot at interception. And on the last play of the game, Forbes could have picked that ball off. It just was perfect technique and position. That guy that can close on somebody serious. That, like, I uh, was impressed. That, yeah, can can I jump on that as, as a good segue? Absolutely. Um, first, I will I, – I jumped up and down for all, all preseason about how soft the defense was playing and how they had done nothing to allay my concerns about a slow start again. I went in expecting just hold, – I hope that they show up and play like a decent defense. So – this week, my hat is off to Jack Del Rio. Um, I thought his plan was not overly – I expected him to sit back early and figure out what Dobbs was going to do. He really didn't. He, they came after it. They played aggressive. And hat, hats off to JDR for this week. And I think this goes back to what we heard in the offseason when they were criticized so much for drafting cornerbacks in the first two picks – what Rivera explained then and and Mayhew, I think, was saying also is that this was based on Jack Del Rio wanting to be able to be more aggressive and not always sit back and play zone, but to be able to 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 man up, to be more aggressive and have a, a secondary that can that can tighten things up in the back so he can do that. I saw early indicators that he is in fact going to live up to that. And they they really they came after it. The offense of the defensive line swarmed. Remember last week I was talking about the I thought the key to the game was how Payne and Allen would do inside against the Cardinals defensive line. There was a video that I'll post in our our thread tomorrow of that that somebody did showing the all 22s of all the defensive plays of our game. And it's at one after another after another of the interior just crashing. They're moving. They're drifting back and forth. They're beating people one-on-one. They're overpowering people. It was pretty spectacular DL performance. So hats off to them. And, and it was everybody, Mark. That's the thing that blew my mind. Anderson was making – yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was not just – and Montez yeah. Sweat, man, that guy may be – He may be having a, a Deron Payne to 2022 year and 2023 in his contract year. What do you think, Paul, about the defensive performance? So I, I'm not going to repeat anything you guys said because I agree with everything that was said. Um, 
you, you obviously saw the level of individual talent that there is on this team, um, especially going up against a team like Arizona, which obviously is a bit weaker in stature, I would say. But um, in, in many instances, you definitely saw uh, the raw individual talent of some of our players taking over. Um, not to be like a wet blanket, so to speak, but um, the one thing that, you know, did capture my attention a bit was when Arizona seemed to have a little bit of success on offense uh, this past week, it seemed to be out to the edges, out to the perimeter. Um, and I don't know what you attribute that to, but uh, th there were a few occasions where anything that they created uh, seemed to routinely be coming from the outside. And um, I think that that might need to be something that we hopefully address moving forward. But when in the few instances where they did have their way, they were they were moving the ball outside. So I don't, I don't know what, again, what that is attributed to. There may have been one or two D, uh, breakdowns in coverage on the outside. There was a wheel route up the, up the right sideline that was just uncovered. That was a breakdown. And there was another one toward us. Hollywood Brown took a reverse down the yeah. sideline and broke it wide, broke they, it open a little bit too. They caught us over pursuing. <clears throat> So Play here's the, the, game, here's the, the drive chart. Just real quick. Here's the drive chart in the second half. Yep. The first possession was 11 plays, 56 yards. The second possession, four plays, 14 yards, punt. The third possession was three plays, negative 11 yards, fumble. The fourth drive, first drive of the fourth quarter, three plays, negative two yards, punt. The, the, the fifth drive was seven plays, 17 yards. How do you have seven plays and only get 17 yards? And it ends in a fumble. And it ends in a fumble. And then the last drive was six plays, 12 yards, with a turnover on downs that iced it. And the final play was a fourth and 10. So that six plays, 12 yards was almost a little false, too. So, And how many, how many times in the past have we had games where we've had two, three, four turnovers in the game and our defense isn't able to pick up the slack? Um you know, they, they covered our behinds on a few instances this past weekend. So that's certainly uh, a positive moving forward. Yeah. And how many, how many times have we had that situation where the offense gets it back, gets us back in the game and then the defense comes up weak, you know, and gives up a drive for a touchdown that just deflates the team or, or, or something. It, so I, I was at, look, we're not, we're not talking about top tier talent in the league right now, but it's still, I think worth noting that, for at least one game so far, they have they have proven to that the defense came out and they they started fast. They did not start slow. They they did not sh fail to show up early in the season. So what's that old show turning point that they used to do? Uh, yeah. Uh, so turning point in this game to me it was it it's just one big shining light on one play. It's end of the third quarter. Arizona's up 16 to 10. They have a third and 15 on their own 35 and all the momentum because our offense is doing nothing. And Montez Sweat comes in and sacks and sacks the quarterback and strips the ball. Force fumble, yeah. And gives us a first down at the 29-yard line, which we proceed to take in for a touchdown to take the lead and never look back after that. It, that was the play of the game. And if this ends up being a I, li I like to overhype things. If this ends up being a season where it comes down to one game at the end of the season, that play arguably sends us on our way and gets us that early W that we might not have gotten otherwise. So 
So before we move on, I want to touch on one play real quick. I don't know if you guys noticed it. Sorry, is it, John. Is it a long snapper play? <laughs> no, it's not a long snapper. It play. might have been if 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 Tressway isn't a magician with yep. with his holes. So, and he holds it like this in the third quarter. Yeah, he was perfect. Four six in the third quarter. They they ended up having a false start. Arizona did. But what jumped out at me watching the replays, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but there were five down linemen. And Jamin Davis was standing up between Payne, who was the interior defensive tackle, and Sweat, who was playing defensive end. But Sweat was like three or four feet outside of the tight end or the tackle, the offensive tackle across from him. So there were six men on the line of scrimmage. It was the most we. It was the first time I've looked at one of our lineups and said, "Damn, Jack Del Rio's getting a little exotic." You know what I mean? And even if we hadn't have brought the pressure or blitzed, I I just wanted to point out, like I was excited to see that. Just giving giving the 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 offensive line and Dobbs an inexperienced quarterback a different look, maybe something to be you know create some some havoc that they weren't expecting. I'm I'm critical of Del Rio. I'll give him credit when credit is due. Also. Yeah, uh, I'm right with you. He he gets a, a big old game ball from me for week one. So yeah, we we got the Broncos coming up. <laughs> yep. Uh, real quick, uh, Wednesday injury report. We posted it on the board. I can run down it real fast. Um, Greg for them tight end Greg Dolchich. Injury is a hamstring, did not practice. Chances are he's out for weeks. Caden Stearns, who's their starting safety, blew his, messed his knee up. He's out for the season. And then Frank Clark, Jerry Judy, DJ Jones, and Riley Moss uh, were limited participants today. I think the one, only one of note there is probably going to be Judy. Um, Jerry Judy, probably their leading receiver. Uh, Cortland Sutton fills in. Marvin Mins is a rookie, so I think if, without Judy, their offense is is restricted quite a bit. Uh, for us, Quan Martin had a concussion. He's in the protocol. Did not practice. If he doesn't practice Wednesday and he's in the protocol, I think that's a pretty good train. Uh, you can pretty much guess he's probably not going to play on Sunday. But uh, I guess weirder things have happened. Curtis Samuel had a hip limited. Chase Young with his neck was still limited. Cosme and McLaurin were both full, so full participant. So we'll see what the updates on that tomorrow. Kind of nice to come out of week one without losing anybody, right? Yes, sir. Sorry, Jets fans. What's the Broncos game um, against the Raiders this afternoon, the condensed game? Yep, same. It was very similar to our game. Um it was kind of like which team is going to stop making mistakes. Um, Russell Wilson played really – he he was pretty accurate in that game. It was like 27 to 34, but a lot of it was dinking and dunking. And one thing that I know I, – I think I heard Mark a couple rows behind me grumbling during our game um, about not rolling Sam out more. I, I, heard, I heard that a lot on talk radio after the game, coming back home on Monday – a lot of talk about, you know, they weren't really rolling Sam Howell out. Uh, but Russell Wilson, I would say about half of his, they either rolled him to one side or the other, or they did, or it was play action. Uh, not a lot of straight drop back passes unless it was play action. Um, so he, he he looked pretty good. 
but they just don't have a lot of talent at the wide receiver spot right now. And again, I echo what you said, Derek, without Judy, they're pretty, uh, they, they didn't look great as far as the, the, you know, the talent he's got to work with. Um, so I don't know. I think it could be a, I, I agree with Mark that there's a ton of pressure on them um, to come out and, and win, you know, not go own two at home to start the season. That would be an awful start. One thing for the anyone that didn't watch that game, um, they started with an onside kick, mm-hmm. a failed onside kick. They almost the they almost pulled it off, but I thought that was kind of a weird. I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm kind of like, what are you thinking? Calling that kind of low percentage play on the opening kickoff, I thought that was really a weird. First, Sean Payton started the Super Bowl against the the Colts, right? with that the onside kick at, to begin the third quarter in the Super Bowl, I think Sean Payton's got an ego thing and he wants to show how cool and brave he is. And well, it, I, did, I do think it, it bears watching, like watching for trickeration. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also, to me, it speaks to, I don't know, we're going to need something like that to win the game. You know, it kind of, to me, it kind of sends that vibe, like we can't play you straight up and beat you. So we're going to, I'm sure that's not what Sean Payton thinks, but. It, yeah, that, but, that's but, but you're not wrong, I don't think. And yeah. So, to your point about the pressure being on them, I mean, have you have you guys seen the the their schedule? So here's the, the remain the next at Dolphins at Bears. Okay, host the Jets at the Chiefs, host the Packers, uh, then host the Chiefs, then at the Bills. So, I mean, if you're betting, is much better, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but. It, but we don't have the zero and one monkey on our back, you know what yeah. I mean? And we we we're on the road. They're home, and then they're they're two of their next three are on the road against two teams that should beat them. So I I don't think you're wrong about it. They're gonna be feeling the heat. Like this is maybe not a must win game for them, but it's a better you better not lose game for them. So for pressure is definitely on them. Um, I I watched the condensed version what with my son once. Uh, Sunday night and then or Monday maybe and then I watched it again earlier just because I'm really curious that was that was a really strange game that Denver played there were only 12 possessions in that game the Broncos had six we had 12 in our game the Broncos had six possessions the Raiders had six possessions and if you start looking at the at the drive charts and the way that Sean Payton and Russ Wilson are running that offense that is that is like the the version of one of the Premier League teams that just plays keep away in in, in soccer. It's short passing. It's control. Listen to these 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 drive charts. These are the Denver drives in that game. Six of them. Fourteen plays, eighty six yards, ends in a touchdown. Eight plays, twenty seven yards, ends in a punt. Nine plays, seventy five yards, ends in a touchdown. Those were their first half possessions. Two three possessions, two touchdowns. Second half, 10 plays, a missed field goal, 16 plays, a field goal, and their final possession of the game, three play, three plays and out of the punt. And then they gave the ball up with five minutes to go and never got it back because the Raiders just ran. And this was in a one-score game. What I expect to see is a, is a run-heavy offense and ball control 
they don't go down the field much. And I suspect they're going to max protect to try to keep our, our defensive line off of Russ. They're going to move him around a lot and they're going to try to own control the ball, which means a couple of things, right? The defense is going to have to, if they do the bend and don't break, they're going to need our offense to do the same and give them a break when they get off the field after these 18 play drives that might end in a field goal. It, this is going to be a war of attrition game. Wilson's, I don't, I don't know if he's got anything left in the tank as far as being able to hurt you with his mobility. I mean, he still has the ability to like move out of the pocket to, to escape pressure, but he really did was not a factor with his legs at all going down. I think he had one yard rushing or something. He really didn't do anything to hurt the Raiders with his legs. So that, I mean, not to say he can't, but he didn't in week one at all. They, they move him around a lot, a lot of design roles. And if you go back and look at that game, I didn't count them, but he roll, when he rolls, he rolls right over and over and over. I bet you 70, 80% of his rollouts are to the right and not just designs, but scrambles. He is very effective throwing on the run to his right, to his left. Uh, I don't know if the numbers would bear this out, but to his left, he looks awkward and far less effective. I'm hoping Jack sees the same thing. And we've got Montez Sweat. His job is to contain and keep Russ from rolling right. Keep him in the pocket and make him beat you that way. One thing I did, I noticed. He was sacked twice. And I I don't think, I'm skeptical that the Broncos O-line can can stop us, can can keep the pressure off of him. One one thing I noticed, the big thing I noticed is where he was the most effective moving was when the interior push did not get home and he was able to step up and out around the edges. But when the interior push got there, he he struggled mightily. He he. So I I think what they need, what we need to do is we need you know Allen Payne and those guys. There needs to be an interior push, and we need to be moving him backward. And you do that, I think you take away all of his ability. He doesn't have that ability to be falling backwards and flick the ball forty yards downfield accurately anymore. I think it's calling. Troutman had a pretty big game as well. You know, we talked about uh, Dulcich being hurt, but it was really Troutman as their main tight end. And yeah. he, he, I don't know how many times he threw at him, but I think he caught five. every ball. He I actually have no He led the team with five catches on five targets. You know who <laughs> led the team in receiving yards? I think a wild guess. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We want to make sure that you don't miss out on any future BGO Blind Pig podcasts. On our YouTube channel, simply hit the subscribe button. If you're listening to BGO Blind Pig via Apple Podcasts or another podcast provider, go to our description page and click that follow button. Uh, Javante Williams? Nope. Oh, I I haven't looked at that. Former yeah. Washington Redskins, Samaje oh, Piran. Samaje. Had yeah. four catches for 37 yards on four targets. Yeah. He and he and Javante Williams look like the same guy. They have different <laughs> numbers, but they run that's the exact same style of running back. They run hard. They're not like game breakers, but they will if there's four yards there, they're gonna get you the four yards. <clears throat> I so the the other thing I noticed was their kicker. Lutz, is it Lutz who's their kicker? 
But, yeah. Uh, former, he missed, former Saint, right? He missed an extra point and a, like a 30-yard field goal. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, I went to a Broncos message board today just to see what the vibe was, and they're, they don't sound very optimistic, and he, he, that was one of the reasons uh, they talked about. was that It might come down to a kick, right? This could easily be a field goal game at the end. There are, There's another familiar face in Denver. Anyone know who it is? A former Redskin? Oh, Fabian Moreau, I think, is one of their DBs. That might not be who you're talking about. Uh, and their special teams coordinator, right? Kotwika or whatever his name is. Kotwika and Greg Minuski. Minuski. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. And yeah, and Moreau is there and and uh, and Samaji. So there's three at least. Yeah. Um, I heard a guy, a Denver guy today uh, being interviewed, um, asked about this game. He noted that the backup tight end, uh, Dulcich, who's probably out, he was saying that that Dulcich is their best tight end option, not the, not Trot, Trotman, who was apparently the starter. He was thinking that losing Dulcich is a big deal for them. Okay, which I'm really okay with. So I, I what I'm hearing from a lot of what you're saying, and Mark, you in particular, when you mentioned that uh, Denver's not really a team that's going to hurt you with big explosive plays, or you know. Um, inching their way down the field type thing. Um, I think it's really important with all that being said and all that being considered, I think it's really important that we get on these guys really, really early. Um, And we talked about it, or you guys talked about it earlier in the podcast, how uh, the enemy wasn't really afraid of hiding or protecting uh, Sam Howell. He literally gave him the reins and said, go get it type thing. Um, and I really think there's an opportunity this weekend uh, for this team to exploit that secondary uh, in Denver. Now they got they got a pretty pretty solid corner in uh, Patrick Sertan. Um, he held, I think, uh, Devontae Adams last week. I think only had like two catches uh, for 11 yards, and he was primarily uh, guarded and um, you know covered by uh, Sertan, but. Hey, Paul, when I not to interrupt about, you, maybe only when Sertan was on him, but he went six for 66. No, I know. Yes, that's that's what I was trying to get at. When he was in coverage on him, he had two catches, I believe, for 11 yards. And yes. um, Sertan actually deflected three passes away, which is quite amazing. He had more uh, passes defended against them uh, compared to receptions. Uh, but anyways, on the other side, they have Damari Mathis. A yeah, relative got, unknown twice in that uh, game yeah jacoby myers had like almost i think he had eight or nine catches against nine, nine for, for 81 80 with two yards. tutties that guy yeah, gave, so, that and, guy gave up both touchdown passes mathis in that game both both of them were right. on him that's right and it's also been that Stearns is Caden Stearns is out. They got uh, I wrote it down earlier. They got Delarin Turner Yell and JL Skinner as his potential replacements. So I mean there's there's a huge opportunity if Eric Bianni wants Sam Howell to go win this game for him. There's a huge opportunity with the talent that we have at the skill positions to exploit that secondary this weekend and get on these guys really, really early. Because I think if you get up, or at least the sense I get, is if you can get, you know, and 
a nine, 10 point lead on Denver, it's going to be pretty difficult for them to play from behind. Uh, the last thing we want this weekend is um, for Denver to be able to stay in the game, continue to uh, play the way they want to play um, and, you know, let them dictate with their style. So I think we have to get them out of their comfort zone and force them to do things on offense. That they're not necessarily comfortable doing. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, their defensive line is, it doesn't scare you just, just reading off the names. I mean, Randy Gregory is there. He's a veteran now though. Um, looking at their defensive at the front four, uh, I mean, we've got Zach Allen, DJ Jones, Jonathan Harris. Stop me when you've when you've heard of an all when you've heard of a Pro Bowler here. Um, and more importantly to me, again, offensively, their offensive line, uh, Mister Mister Montez Sweat's going to be going against Mike McGlinchey this week. Mike McGlinchey's an eight-year veteran. He's a big, tall guy, but he's a guy. I don't, I, I don't know these names, and I'm not as much of a roster guy. I know Ben Powers is a decent right, uh, left guard. Justin Simmons is a legitimate safety. If he doesn't get Justin suspended. Simmons is a good safety. If he doesn't, it, just, it looks to me like this is the kind of game that our defensive front four, front five, because we go that five-one thing ought to be able to really hold their own at the very least hold their own, if not maybe dominate again. And our offensive line, I don't see a whole lot of names that scare me in terms of their pass rush. So I want to see the, I want to see um, Del Rio. I want to see the defensive backs plan a little bit more press on, on those wide receivers, because I don't think they have the wide receiver talent. I think our DBs and our DL are better are our mismatches at some, to some degree. And, I would like to see him maybe push Forbes and Fuller up a little bit closer and put a little bit more pressure and try to force some takeaways. I mean, Russell Wilson can get rid of the ball quickly, and but they did get him. They did sack him twice last week. The Raiders did. Um, so he and he again, he's not really able to use his feet to the degree that a young Russell Wilson could to, to burn you. So I, I hope they put a lot of pressure on him. One other point uh, that I do want to make. I don't know if you guys went back and looked at the box score, but I did. 11 different people caught a pass from Russell Wilson last weekend. Yeah. Um, that is getting it. <laughs> when, you know what I mean? When you only have 27 <laughs> completions and there's 11 different receivers, uh, that's, that's, that is the definition of spreading the ball around. So um, none of them were really game-breaking. None of them were explosive or dangerous. But it does make you have to understand that pretty much anybody on the field that's an eligible receiver could potentially get the ball. I don't worry as much about the outside in this game on defense as I do the middle because I know I heard a lot of criticism about Cody Barton um, in, in our opener. And I don't know about – I really didn't look spend a lot of time watching Jamin Davis, so I don't know. But I just know we've had a problem in the past – especially Troutman's a big physical guy. And I just worry that's probably one part of the field where I'm uh, a little nervous with our defense. Are they going to be able to knock passes down, be disruptive in the middle, you know, the shorter stuff, the, the five to 10 yard stuff in the middle. That's, that's the part that I'm a little worried about. Nick, I heard that Cody Barton played every defensive snap 
Yeah, that's a lot. And now, a lot of the times we only play one linebacker. So apparently when we're only playing one, he's the guy and not Jamin Davis, which is an interesting – I think Cody's got the the green dot, right? He's the he's the play caller out there, so that explains part of it. He's going to have his hands full again because I think, I think you're right. I think they'll, they'll work the middle as much as they can. So what do we think, gentlemen? Are we feeling good about this one? Think about think going 2-0. Have- I think having gotten that home win, I'm, I'm, I know I've said it a couple times, but hell, what it never stops me from saying it a third time. I think they felt a ton of pressure last week, and it showed at times. And I think after having gotten through that that home opener with a win, I think they're going to play a lot looser in on the road. And I think Sam Howell even said he loves playing on the road. So I'm expecting this to be a kind of more of maybe what we were expecting in week one. Um, I, I'm calling it 27-17. Good guys. What do you got, Paul? Are you feeling it? This is a tough one. This is a very, very tough one for me. Um, I want to believe that we'll go 2-0. and um, I don't think we've ever gone 2-0 and under Ron Rivera. I don't know if we've been two games over 500 uh, in Ron Rivera era. I'd have to look, but I, I, don't I highly have. doubt it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, Denver was a team last week that committed a ton of penalties. They had like a hundred yards, um, in penalties on 10 penalties over the course of the game. Uh, John mentioned it earlier. There was a mixed, uh, missed extra point, a missed field goal. Um, I, I think they're celebrating their second Super Bowl victory this weekend so they have a lot of alumni come uh to the game and whatnot it just feels like it's a big week for denver it feels like it's an important game for sean payton um i think denver maybe cleans up uh some of their gaffes from a week ago uh plays a little bit more fundamentally sound and i can see this being another low scoring game similar to what we had uh in arizona i'm going to say i don't want to say this but i'm going to say that the broncos win like 20 to 19. Unfortunately, I think I have to. I So I did the pick them, the BGO pick them contest, and I actually picked Denver to win this game. I'm so wishy-washy that might change before Sunday. I, I just, I wonder, my concern is. So the last time we played Russ Wilson, he threw for 230 and two touchdowns when he played for Seattle. Uh, the year before he we went to Denver, and we ended up winning that game on a defended two-point conversion, if you guys remember, back in 2021, two years ago. We won 17-15. I think it was the only – and then with the following week, we won 17-15. I don't think anybody had ever done that before. But I'm I I, I I'm curious, and my, my – what's holding me back is Sam Howell – as much as we love him is only on his third professional football game. We're in the second game of a new offense with a lot of struggles. And we barely beat on a team that is arguably lower three in the league. My heart tells me that I want that, that we end up finding a way to pull this out. It wouldn't shock me, but my head tells me we end up falling a little short. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 21-16 21, 
little weirdness going on out there? I am. I have gone back and forth on this about five times, including twice in the last five minutes, thinking about my prediction. Um, my brain tells me that you're the, generally the more desperate team tends to win in the NFL, the one who's playing for their season. The Broncos are playing for their season. They have a veteran quarterback. They've got a, a head coach with something to prove who's going to be pulling out God knows what. Um, and I, I've been thinking all along it was going to end up being one of these last-second field goal games again and that we'd lose like 20 to 19 or something. But I'm going to I'm going to say uh, instead, as because I'm making predictions here, that we flip the tables and that we get the ball back with three minutes to go, and Sam Howell gets a chance to have his first game-winning drive, uh, and and he gets it done. I think he gets it done, and he gets us in position. And Joey Sly, God bless you, Joey Sly, converts you know a mid-range field goal with a few seconds left for like a two point win, like a let's go. Did you say 21, 19? That feels about right. I'll make it 24, 23. We get the game winning field goal on, on the, like the second or second to last play of the game. Um, because God, I'd love to see Sean Payton's face. <laughs> Redskins trivia. The last time we went to an O to open the season, Rex Grossman was our quarterback. Unleash I'm going deep. <laughs> yep. Unleash the dragon or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe I just predicted us to win because I've been saying all week that I think we're going to find a way to lose this one, but I'm throwing down. I think Sam comes through for us. And then next week we're talking like real brave. Mark, how, how clean describe to us how clean the Cameron Cheeseman snap is going to be on the game winning field goal. Oh my God. Okay. I take it all back. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, if we didn't have a magician in Tress Way, what Rivera made some typically Rivera ham-handed comment about that today when he was asked about it. Um, we're just going to keep doing it until, unfortunately, if something comes wrong again, then we'll figure it out or some brilliant comment like yeah. that. Yeah, I think I think that was a pretty clear, not a, a, a very non-clear, but clear message that if it happens again, anytime we're going to have a problem, soon, yeah. he's not going to be on the roster. I'd like him to say that to Cheeseman. I, I mean, I'm a big fan of a coach to right. the press saying something like we're addressing it. We're aware of it. Right. Yeah. We're, we're taking, we'll take care of it one way or the other, but we'll see. So before, before we let everybody go, we, we can't let, we can't not mention Aaron Rodgers going down. And I know it makes John crazy when we bring up things out of left field at the end of podcast, I'm going to do it tonight. I feel bad for Jets fans, but God, it's really hard to feel bad for Aaron Rodgers. But you heard what he said today, right? Oh, he he will rise again, and I shall rise yet again. Oh my God, it just makes you want to just take a shower. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a I'm not a big Rodgers fan. I I did I do have a really good friend who's a Jets fan who. Uh, well, I, I'm gonna try to get him on the podcast when we play them. Um, but anyway, I did send him a condolences uh message because you know the Jets are kind of like we've been right for a long time. Uh, only I don't know what their I don't know what their escape plan is. <laughs> we 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 managed to plot our escape and and get rid of uh, Dan Snyder, but I don't know where I don't know how they how they shed you know the nightmare of being a what. 
being a Giants or excuse me, a Jets fan is. It's been 50 years since they were in a Super Bowl. Not a lot of football excitement in um, in the Big Apple this past week. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. On to on to week two, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. We're here. All right, fellas. Been a pleasure. We'll get back together. Look forward to doing it again. Night, guys. Thanks for listening to BGO Blind Pig. Join us next time as we once again dive into the ups and downs of D.C. football fandom. And don't forget to check out our incredible community of Washington football fans at www.bgobsession.com.